Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan and Nico here talking today about the five steps to change. Before we talk about that, Nico, for those not uh, watching on YouTube, for those just listening, I've got a little bit more dressed up for you today. You uh, you've pulled out the finery. You have uh, you've showered. It looks like. And I've always showered. But maybe, <laughs> maybe there was one time that I hadn't showered. Because um, this is a lot earlier over here. You know, it's. Yeah. I, it looks like you're wearing a, a hard yakka shirt from the 1990s. You reckon? That, my dad used my dad used to wear that color green as a hard yakka shirt. There was either green or there was the the, the tan color. With the hard yakka colours. Yeah, I remember. I definitely remember the tan colour and the, and the ads. Yeah. Hard yakka, yakka, hard yakka, and it would just be like trucks driving up quarries, like yeah. big hills and stuff. Yep, yeah, sweat and dirt, everything. For for our international listeners, which we do have, so hello, shout out to all the international listeners. Um, hard yakka is a clothing brand it's a workwear clothing brand so it's mm. it's built for tradesmen to wear to work and it's tough and rugged durable it's a bit like it's a bit like um Carnhart in america i'd say it's right the equivalent okay never never heard yes. of that one yes 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 but yeah you're looking spiffy so thanks for dressing up and yeah. i've actually dressed down today so. yeah well look it's a, it's a role reversal because look i was just it getting is. a little bit sick of the uh you just saying oh you got your everlast singlet on again so i'm like fuck, <laughs> fuck the everlast singlet we're going for the uh it's not really a it does look like a hard jacket top but it's just a, it's just a, no, it's just a, a nice button-up collared shirt and the guns are on display. It's very firm around the biceps there. Well, that's just, no, you know, most shirts are for me, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see Des and Troy on display today. Yeah, and I've, I do have my license for these guns with me, so they are, they are registered. I, I started Googling when I first saw it, and I was looking up registered plumbers in Koh Samir because those pipes are about to burst. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, you, you did it. Yep, you, you said it. You thought it. You thought there was there was a thought, and then there was a space, and then there was, yep. am I going to say this or not? And you did. Yep. I get that all the time. Oh, yeah. I say that stuff with Mel, like the, the real bad dad jokes, and it's like, I say it in my head, and normally I'm just saying it no matter what, but then sometimes I'm like, don't, that one's so stupid, just don't say it, and then you can't stop yourself. <laughs> Out it comes. It just, I was just talking to a couple of the girls in the staff room, and I said, they, what the, one of them said um, a weird colloquialism or something, and I said, my, my memories of my father, all of them are just stupid sayings. Oh, that's right, because it's cold down here in Melbourne at the moment, so the heater's on in the staff room, and they kept leaving the door open. And I said, what, were you born in a tent? Classic. And as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, that's Dad. And then all these other ones started coming. I was like, call me anything you want, just don't call me late for dinner. And just, just all these... And I don't have children. So my poor girlfriend hears me constantly... Firing off these dad jokes, yeah. and she's just going, "But you're not a dad." It's just this programming. It's just we heard totally. it, and it's just in there, and it just comes. And you're right; it's not, it's not your voice, and it's probably not even your dad's voice because <clears throat> your dad probably got, <laughs> got it passed it down as well. That's what yeah. I think. I've, I, one of our sayings we did ages ago on the show was my dad used to say, "It's um when it was real cold, it's cold as forty bastards." And now I find myself, so not now I'm in Thailand, but when, when I was at home, I'm like, yeah, it's cold as 40 bastards. And I'm like, yeah. why am I saying that? It makes no sense. It's just because Dad said it. But I, but, was, but I can't stop myself saying it. <laughs> Ours was cold as a witch's tit. A witch's so. tit, yeah. <laughs> well, today our one is, look, Nick, would you say... Well, I was going to say, you are, you are looking the bee's knees. You are I'm looking, looking the, the bee's, bee's knees. knees. I'm looking the bee's yeah. knees. This is, you are looking the bee's knees. And... Uh, it takes my mind back to you know pre-Jesus. We're going back three thousand years, I think. It's uh, even pre-Buddha, pre-Lao Tzu. I know. This is this is the furthest we've gone back. This could be this could be Adam and Eve. This could be the the birth of the planet Earth or something. Anyway, it's longer. It's longer than three thousand years. Then, yeah, 
there's this <laughs> there's this bee hovering in a flower. I heard bees sleep together in flowers and hold each other's feet. Oh, that's so cute. I often, cute? I often wonder, like, you know, it's just the one where you have the otter one as well. You see the meme, like, you know, yeah. otters holding hands and then... You know, I wonder how, how true that stuff is. Like, I wonder you think if someone just so, shot them, shot them, and killed them, and then just made them pose and took a yeah. photo. Or they or took the photo and then one just ate the, killed the other one or something <laughs> like a praying man just eating the the male after sex. You know, I, I love the photos of the sharks and people have photoshopped human mouth smiles onto them. <laughs> <laughs> they look so friendly. They look yeah. amazing. Anyway, so. There's this, there's this, there's this bee and this dudes walking along. On this, no, it's a woman. So they this woman walking along because she was out there just, just in nature. Yep. And she saw this bee, and all of a sudden she looked closer, and she saw, <laughs> she saw where the bee's kneecaps should have been or may have been, and she was like, just that's a beautiful part of the body. That's, that's the rest of it's nice, but the the sun is just shining. It's glistening off the the pollen that's that's landed on the bee's knee there and that's does the bee's a, knee. Does a bee have a knee? <laughs> oh, no, that's why I said where a kneecap Which would have been. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's so that's right. So that's where it, that's So it's a child. It's a child I think. It's not an adult. It's a child who first came up with the sentence that's the bee's knees. Because she was like, "That's so." The pollen was. Oh, this is all off. making sense now. So that the then, pollen was glistening off the leg, and and she she's like just an association because she's just a child. Yep. She's playful. She's just experiencing, and she's like, "Oh, well, that's where my knee would be. So maybe that's where the bee has a knee, and it looks amazing." And then she went home, and she had a cupcake that Mum had made for her that day because it was her birthday. And she bit it, and she saw it was glistening as well, and it, it triggered a memory of the bee earlier in the day. And she just went, "Mum, that cupcake—that's the bee's knees." Wow. Okay. So it was a cupcake. All right. Here's where I'm going with it. Here's what, and I reckon you're right. I reckon this young girl's seen this bee, and then she came home and she told mummy and daddy, and she said, "You know, this but the bee's knee, blah blah blah." And then they had to say to her, "Look." Um, uh, what would her name be? I'm not very good with like olden style names. Annabelle. Yeah, really, are you? Annabelle. Beautiful name. It's a, it's a lovely name, isn't it? It is. Listen, Annabelle, I know it looked like it and that us humans, we have knees, but bees don't actually have knees, right? Now, the father, mum was making the cupcake, but the father, he's a merchant. So he's, oh, he, he sells shit. He's got a store yeah. in, the, in the local town. And so he walks Does in. Does he sell honey? Does he sell honey? Uh, he, sell, he sells everything. Like you know, pottery. Um, no, but no, he doesn't. He, he doesn't sell honey. No. Oh no! Gosh. I thought, I thought the mum would make the pottery, and they had a beehive or a bee colony, and that's where she, the little Annabelle saw the bee, and the dad collects the honey, puts it in the mum's pottery, and then sells it in the shed. Anyway, sorry. No, no. He can, okay, okay, he can sell honey. All right, we can sell. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes. And so he's just thinking about that, and because what the bee, when we use the bee's knees now, it's something that's awesome. It's yeah. like it's that's the fucking bee's knees, like something really yeah. good. So he's thinking about this. It's in the back of his mind, and then he kind of forgets about it, but it's still humming away in the background. And then he has a customer come into the shop, and the customer's looking at, you know, it could be a piece of uh, pottery or maybe some sort of. Um, a sweet or something, sweet. a boiled sweet, or maybe like a a, a a a relic, you know, some sort of oh, thing that you know relic. that has that has magical powers apparently that you can cast spells with. Whatever, it's some inanimate object anyway. But anyway, because he's a merchant, he's trying to sell this thing. Like he's he's, he's hustling, you know. And so he's uh, he, I'm seeing where this is going. So I'm seeing where this is going. He's trying he's trying to let them know how rare this item they're looking yeah. at is, and they're I looking. Like it. And he goes, like mate, it. this thing's like the bee's knees. That's how rare. That, that that that's how rare it is. And then the person just go starts thinking and goes, fuck, this must be like so rare for him to say that because that's such a weird thing to say. And so they buy it for quite an you know inflated price yeah, of what yeah. it should have been because they they're like. 
the bees have knees? This man is so wise. How did he know this? But only some bees must have knees because I've never seen a bee with knees. But that's how rare... rare No, no, but none of them do. So that's why it's so rare. Yeah, I know, but they're thinking in their minds and in their buying mind. My God. So he's created FOMO, basically. That's probably the first ever case of Of FOMO FOMO. as well. Yeah, they're they're linked. The bees' knees and FOMO are definitely linked. But this, this begs the question... Because you said it's it's rare, it's amazing, it's awesome, but it also brings to mind another idiom. Mm-hmm. That's what they call these things, okay. idioms. As opposed to us the, being idiots, these are idiots. Yes, it's, there's also it's the duck's guts. They're very similar. They're, it's the duck's guts. It's the bee's knees. They're on par with each other. It's the so, it's the duck's guts. Yeah. So here's what happened. Can you use that in a the, sentence? Yeah. So uh, I, I went and had a pie from this bakery down the road here. And fuck, it was the duck's guts. It was so nice. I thought it was the duck's nuts. Nah, guts. Oh, well, it could be both. It could have got <laughs> lost in translation. What? Why, anyway. why is the duck's guts good? That's gross. Well, that's, why is the bee's knees? No, but the bee's knees purposes. is like, that's that's rare. Like that's a, there's Bees don't have knees. Ducks have guts. Where does confit come from? Where where does confit? What is it? Confit is a uh, way of slow cooking with oil, isn't it? Uh, Confit, yeah, you you slow cook something in oil. Are you thinking of uh, foie gras? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's or that's if you want to be really disturbed, look at how. Fagua is 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 made. That's the yeah. The, the, here they force they feed for, a that's geese. Sort of they force feed uh, geese, geese um, to make their livers gigantic um, and really fatty. So I reckon the the stall next to the merchant who was selling his pottery and fine wares and relics yes. overheard because they didn't have walls per se. It was just like canvas tents, so yeah. you could easily hear through. I reckon he heard this. It's the duck's nuts. Oh, it's the bee's knees, sorry. And he was like, oh my God, he sold that for 20 times what it's worth. And he used it with this idiom. He goes, I've got to come up with my own. So he went yeah. home and told his wife. And he's like, honey, my God, she's out in the garden ramming walnuts into these geese. And he mistook them for a duck. <laughs> ramming and... walnuts into the geese. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's, what a visual. She's held... She's elbow deep. She's elbow deep in, in she's geese. Commi- she's committed. And he's gone home and he's mistaken these geese for duck. And he, he's like, what are you doing? She's about, I'm making fire grass, their liver. And he doesn't have a very large brain. So he's he's got his anatomy all mixed up. So he thinks the liver is the guts. Right. And so he's mistaken the geese for a duck. And he's mm-hmm. mistaken the liver for the guts. And he's gone back to work the next day. And he's got this piece of shit that he's found. And he's like, I'm going to try and sell this for 20 times what it's worth. And his customer's going, he's like, what's this? And he's like, this, my friend, is the duck's guts. And it is that, it is that amazing. And and the person was so confused that they just bought it <laughs> through, through sheer confusion. Or maybe sympathy that they're dealing with some mentally impaired person. The, 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 the original merchant overheard that and he's just laughing his head off going, oh, you poor sad creature <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the duck's gut alright well I'm glad we solved that that's fantastic I reckon we, we, knocked, we, we, we just killed two birds with one stone we did boom <laughs> boom shakalaka let's get on to today's topic now Nick yeah let's change uh, listeners who've uh, regular listeners of the podcast have uh, heard you talk about the five steps to change before like we've briefly touched on it you know as we're going through other topics and we've sort of just yep. dipped our toe in here and there so we thought we'd do a whole episode on these five steps to change go through one at a time and um, have a bit of a chat and a back and forth about them and I think that it'd be good for the listeners to as you're in your car driving or you're at the gym or you're watching on YouTube whatever it is Maybe just think about one area of your life that you do want to change. And as we're going through these five steps, think, you know, where where am I at with this thing that I want to change? And also, you know, how do I get to that next step and move through these five places to a place of change, which is um, 
where we want to be if if we've got some sort of negative pattern going. Well, on. hopefully we're changing. Yeah, there, there's an expression that a man who sees the world at sixty the same as he saw it as forty has just wasted twenty years mm. of his life. You know, and you see these gnarled old dudes at the bar drinking their pots of beer, going, "When I was like, they're stuck back in their childhood or back in their youth or whatever." So I think it's really important for us to change. And a lot of people have this limiting belief that I don't like change. Mm. That's all that is. It's just a limiting belief. What they're really saying is I don't like getting out of my comfort zone. I don't like experiencing that discomfort. Mm. Um, but it's really important to change. You know, the the um, law of nature is that everything's impermanent. So our our bodies, you might know this, has but ninety nine percent of our physical atoms change every year or something silly like that. Yeah, well, that. well, it depends. Like we have a certain amount every day that are dying, but every seven years, every single cell will be re- different. So it's like we're li- we're literally a completely different human from that biology point of view. Yeah. Um, so when someone says I don't like change. They don't realise that they're constantly in change. Yeah, and this is you know level. Buddhism that you talk about a lot. This is samsara. This is the wheel, the circle, yeah. the, the cycle of life and death. It's like you know, and and an acorn becomes a massive oak tree, and then eventually that oak tree will die, but it will drop other acorns, and they will sprout, out, and it's this. But that that acorn may become a tree, which may become a book, which may be turned into a paper aeroplane, which yep. maybe you know, it's just going to have that ongoing. So. These five steps of change are just five steps that I've come up with mm-hmm. through 13 years of, of practice um, in working with clients. And I think a, a, it's always useful to use metaphors when we're trying to describe things. So imagine you're driving down a highway and all of a sudden um, your tyre bursts, yeah? Mm-hmm. Or you get a flat tyre. So... That's going to be dangerous. That's going to cause harm to you or people around you. It could cause an accident. Um, so we're going to look at... Uh, that's a metaphor, but what in your life are you doing that's not sustainable, that's not healthy? So for me, it used to be smoking, it used to be drinking. Uh, there was a period of gambling. Um, so so what are you doing in your life that's that's not healthy, that's not sustainable? That, that would require some change and and that's the car tyre bursting mm-hmm. so you drive along bang before you can change that tyre what's the first thing you need well you need to be aware that something's gone wrong with the vehicle that you're in that you can't you can't so, you can't keep driving no you may not be able to see it because you're in the car mm. and maybe the tire at the back so you, but something's gonna something's wrong you just you know something. yeah something feels wrong you can you can hear something's wrong there's a there's a wobble so once again metaphor you are the car yeah and all of a sudden you start wobbling you start <laughs> finding it hard to go in the direction that you want to go in so there's there's, there's going to be a sign there that something's not working it doesn't mean something is wrong per se in that <coughs> black and white thinking, but it's just there's something that's not working, something's out of whack, something's out of kilter. So before we can do anything about it, you're right, we need to have that awareness that this is happening. Right. Okay. So you drive along and all of a sudden you start feeling the car moving around a bit. What's the next thing you need? Just... Um before we jump onto that, so let's. This is interesting because it's like if someone is in their car and their tire blows, it's like straight away, like we we, we pull over, like we like we pull over, like I, there's something's wrong here. I need to pull over, right? Yes. So so this this is like this still this awareness step. Yep. But then if we think about you know, uh, I assume that in this metaphor, this blown tire is the area of our life that we're wanting to yes. change, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I would say nine. So someone's pulled over. I like where you've gone with this, but then they've stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as humans, we don't like being stuck. We don't like being yeah. exposed. We we like to keep moving forward. So all of a sudden, we're on the side of the road. We we look around and start seeing all these other cars passing us by, and that's going to get us frustrated. Or we may have to be somewhere. We're attached to this desired outcome. I have to get to work, but all of a sudden, I can't get to work because I'm stuck. I'm on the side of the road. Yes. So once again, in life, that's that metaphor. It is. It's but then, 
if it's let's say I'm smoking cigarettes or yeah. I'm drinking five beers a night or I keep having a fight in my relationship or I'm attracting the same person who's treating me poorly in relationships or whatever it is. Um, Let's use alcohol because that's, that's a pretty common one. Pretty common. So you, 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 you're drinking a few nights, you know, you're having a couple of glasses of wine each night and you're, st- you're waking up and you're a bit tired, you're a bit lethargic, you, you know, the alcohol is going to be affecting your sleep, yep. it's going to be affecting your decision making, you're going to be more irritable, it's going to have a negative ripple. And you're going to have less life. of an opinion of yourself if you keep doing it over time. Yeah, so, so you're going to know that I shouldn't be drinking, but you're going to justify it or you're going to just get stuck in this pattern or habit of drinking. Which means that you just keep driving with, with the tyre. Yeah, with the, with the tyre flat. And, and you, just tr- you, you turn the radio up as loud as it'll go so you can't hear <laughs> the banging and the clanking of the, of the flat tyre. But then you're also complaining and wondering why you can't yeah. go as fast as everyone else. And the stupid car, you start blaming the car. What a crap car. It's the dumbest car in the world. Why did I buy this car? <laughs> okay, so we're aware. But, so you finally succumb. You finally succumb to it and you, you, you're pulled over because you're aware. Mm-hmm. And you jump out and you look and you go, fuck, I've got a flat tyre. Now you've got two, two choices here. You can go into denial and say, well, it's not my job to fix it. Mm-hmm. Or what else can you do? A lot of people, if you say like, you know, I'm drinking a bottle of wine a night, you know, it started off as one glass at the end of the day and now it's a bottle of wine a night, um, then we can just say, who gives a fuck? You know, I'm not hurting anyone. Or or we can say, well, I I know my friend Jenny and she's drinking like two (laughs) bottles of wine a night, so I'm not that bad. That's, this is a justification that we go into. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've got this under control. I, I I could stop any time I wanted to. I just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was when me, when I was smoking, someone would say, why don't you stop? And I'd be like, I'm not a quitter. If I start something, I finish it. Mm. Mm. Oh, once again, I wonder whose voice that was. Hello, Dad. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Father. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've got awareness. That there's a problem. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, on some level, whether it's conscious or unconscious, we've just we've got this this creeping feeling that there's a problem, but we can't do anything about it until we have what acceptance. Exactly. So it's not a problem until someone says it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and this goes for not just with ourselves, but we can see other people doing things that are harmful to themselves or others, yeah? Mm. And we can get caught up in this, oh, you should change, you should do this, you should do this differently. We can start imposing our expectations and our beliefs onto people. But the reality is that person, yeah, may be doing something destructive or harmful, but if they're in ignorance, there's a lack of awareness, and they're not in acceptance then it's not a problem for them and they will not change it's mm. like leading a horse to water and trying to make it drink trying it's to push its head into work. the water no it's just going to kick and buck and you're going to get hurt in the process yes yes so we so someone we're, we're aware the tires flat we're, we're aware we're drinking a bottle of wine a night but then yeah we have to accept it's like okay look i accept that this is a problem yeah. So yeah. go back to our podcast with Deb, mm-hmm. right? She was an alcoholic and you asked a great question. You said, what was the moment where you went to AA? And she said, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a, a really wonderful way of expressing it. And it, it brought to mind um, that we only change when the discomfort of staying where we are becomes greater than the discomfort involved in moving or changing mm. or doing things differently or getting out of our comfort zone. So this is this is why you know, human nature is most people won't change their diet until they're diagnosed with diabetes yeah. or have a heart attack or they won't go to a mental health practitioner until they've had a mental breakdown. Or I was about like to that. bring up the heart, the heart attack one because like heart disease is the biggest killer. Uh, of people yeah. and and the first sign normally the first symptom of serious heart disease is a heart attack and yeah. some people not not all but then after a heart of heart attack some people it's that much of a shake up that they will change their lifestyle the way they eat the way they treat themselves um some don't but then also i think it's around 50 percent of people who have a heart attack will die 
<laughs> yeah. So it's like your first symptom's death. So it's like your, your, your wake-up call is not going to happen. So that's with physical health. Mental health, I had the same thing. I had no awareness that I had mental health. Okay, so I wasn't in a position to look after it, so it was declining and declining and declining. It developed into mental illness with agoraphobia and severe depression and anxiety. And my version of a heart attack would have been suicide. Mm. Now, I was lucky that I didn't have a heart attack or commit suicide because I came into an awareness just in time and then came into an acceptance that I needed to do something about it. Mm. So I couldn't alter my mind I couldn't get out of my suffering I I couldn't improve my mental health and well-being until I had those first two steps in place and I can't and you can't we can't help anyone until they've ticked those first two things off that's right because otherwise it's just it's you're speaking imagine my head my headphones on now and I can't can't hear (laughs) because I don't want to hear and so many so many women sort of throw their husbands in to see a therapist which is Go and get a therapist under an ultimatum or we're getting a divorce. Mm. So this poor therapist and this poor husband are sitting there looking at each other and the therapist is like, so what can I help you with today? And he's like, oh, the fucking wife made me come and blah, blah, blah. That, that dude doesn't want to change. Mm. You know, he may he may understand on some level that he he should change, but he hasn't, he's not experiencing enough discomfort or pain. Mm. He hasn't... He hasn't gone through a divorce that's cost him $500,000. He, you know, he hasn't experienced enough pain to then change. So he's, he's, he's not in acceptance yet. Yeah, yeah. So he's not, he's not going to change. Yeah, we found that with the, um, the centre because we, we would have people come in, obviously, for the free consult. And um, there was maybe one or two early on because like when you're starting, like we didn't, could, couldn't barely pay the rent and so you just like yep you, people who say they want to do it you just say yeah let's do it and yeah, it only yeah. it only took one or two to catch on no, no, no. so then when some people would come in and you could tell it's like they're there for their wife or they're there for their parents or whatever and it's like or a court order or something exactly so then it's just like no it's not it's not in either either of our interests to yeah. to go so through come back this to, process come back to drinking a bottle of wine at night and so someone's not going to change. Say Susie is drinking a bottle of wine. She's got a couple of kids and she's working and she's just a bit stressed. And her way of unwinding is to have a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that sort of glass turns into a couple of glasses. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of months down the track, it's a bottle. Yeah. So it's a very slippery slope. Um, so she's not going to get off that slippery slope until you know she sees herself in a photo where she's put on 10 kilograms and it's a shock to her system you know because slow change is very hard to observe especially when you're in so she may be a size six dress and then she goes out to a size eight dress and a size 10 dress or something and that that'll happen very incrementally so it won't really be a shock to her system until mm. she sees herself in a photo and there's a double chin here or there's something happening there and then she'll go oh god and that'll bang yep. and then so she's got that awareness and acceptance all in one yeah yeah true yeah true and then it could also be uh you know friends or something bring it to their attention and just say hey we don't hear from you anymore you've been isolating or hey what's going on with the fucking drinking you know like if, 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 good paddock, haven't you? if, if you're lucky enough to have friends who'll be that honest with you um it it, it does bring that shock because a lot of people don't want to be we don't want to be aware of these things because they're serving a purpose yeah otherwise otherwise you wouldn't do them when i when i was in my really bad state afterwards i realized i was a comfort slob that's that's i was in my comfort zone and i was so comfortable (laughs) and content in that comfort zone and yeah, there wasn't much anyone else could do to get me out. It was it wasn't until I was standing at a door that I couldn't open, and I real I had this epiphany that it just it was so highly and deeply irrational that I came into that awareness. But a lot of people get stuck in their comfort zones, and it's just the easy path. It's just all right. Well, I'm not going to go and learn how to manage, um, how to deal with change or conflict or anything I'm not going to put the time and effort and energy into that I'm just going to crack a bottle of wine each night yeah yeah and I just kind of think right now especially with people um, who are listening 
in Melbourne, you know, being in lockdown again, and people around the world who have been in lockdown, it just these habits have become so much more easier. I was working with a client recently, and the reason she reached out was for meth use, but she was also drinking a bottle or two of wine and just watching Netflix every night um, until she went to sleep. So it's like, hey, we'll deal with that problem. And now we've still got this habit over here that we need to, because because like you said, that just becomes the easy option. And, you know, she didn't bring that up straight away because there's some things we don't want to be aware of because we don't want it to change because part of us is like, you know, uh, we'll justify it, yes, by comparing to other people, but also saying... I deserve it, it's my life, I can do what I want, blah, 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 all this kind of well, stuff. We only do things if we get something out of it. So someone who's drinking a bottle of wine and watching Netflix every night, they're getting something out of it. What would they get out of that experience, do you think? Relaxation. Um, the the yeah. mind will turn off. I can tune out. Uh, yeah. All of that stuff. It's like it's like the, the I'm smoking. She was she was a smoker as well. There's quite a few things going on there. Wow. Um, <laughs> um And I, I always get people. It's interesting. You say you, you know if you want to know why you do something, just don't do it and just watch what happens. And then you get some information. I don't know if I've spoken about this in the podcast. Yeah, before. we did the last session. Last one. Last, yeah, it's the same podcast, thing. Yeah. yeah, but people, a lot of people aren't brave enough to do that because they just don't want to look at it. They just want to say, this is my thing that I do and just I want to keep doing it. So Ignorance I, I, is bliss. Ignorance is bliss, but it's not long-term. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's because it's easy. And you always talk about the easy option, the easy path or the hard path. And it's the, it's the easy path to, on the way home from work, grab that bottle of wine very unconsciously yeah. and then just yeah. go home and, and crack it open and well, start. it'll be consciously, but it'll be filled with, it'll be fueled by justifications. I deserve this. I've worked hard today. I've got a lot on my plate. It's mm. okay for me to do this. It's not actually that bad. Yeah, it'll, yeah. If it's conscious, it'll be fueled by that justifying. Yeah, it's that, that's that, crazy voice in the head that we listen to yeah you know that this but, what it's, what, oh, but what we're doing is what we're getting out of it is we're getting ease easing of our pain easing of our suffering mm. so it's it's self-medicating of course it is 100% 100% so we, we become aware of it we accept it we say alright I accept now that doesn't mean this, we're, is, this is not okay this is not good enough it's it's I am at my limit. I'm, I can't believe I'm in a size 14 dress. Yeah, yep. this is not not, not sustainable. Me. It's not me. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This is a lot, of, a lot of people. That's the moment. Look in the mirror and go, look, this isn't me. This isn't who I want to be. It was like uh, yep. uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago with uh, Ralph, who lost both his legs and he was on the opiate pills and everything. And he just looked at himself in the mirror and just went, bro, this isn't you. <laughs> this, zom- this zombie that's looking back at me, that's not me. And that was the yep. moment where he completely accepted that he was in a position that wasn't that he didn't want to be in and that wasn't sustainable and he wanted to change. But it comes back to being accountable as well. And so many people are outsourcing their happiness and not being accountable. We, we talk about well, we've all got this garden that we're not tending to. You know, it's just it's getting in that position of being accountable and going, right, this is my life, my body, my happiness. I have to get in the driver's seat, I have to do something about this. Mm. So that's where it links into the third one. So we've got the ex- we've got the awareness, right, there's something not right. We've got the acceptance, I, I have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. But we can't do something about it or it comes back to the man getting thrown into see a therapist because his motivation will not be there. Mm. It'll be his motivation. There's, there's two types of motivation. There's productivity-based motivation. So that's I have to. It's under a sense of duty or obligation. It's a chore. Yeah. Or vitality-based motivation. So it's I want to. Mm. So... Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, both of us play golf. So... If you have to get up at five o'clock, set the alarm at five o'clock and go to the golf course and it's freezing cold and it's a bit of drizzle or something, we're usually up at uh, 4.45 or up before the alarm because we're so excited yeah. and enthusiastic about going to play golf and it's like, i oh, switch the alarm off later and grab a coffee and oh, look at it, oh, it's going to be great out there. We're already texting our mates. Or if you have to go to work in a job you don't like at five o'clock, you're going to be hitting alarm, snooze, 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 snooze. So there's two very different types of motivation fueling your actions and behaviours there. Mm-hmm. 
And so how do we get someone motivated? If they're, if they're let's say it's, we can come back to the car with the flat tire or we, and, and the person with the bottle of wine. Um, how do we get that motivation there? Is that shock that they experience enough of a motivator to get them moving in the right direction? Not really. They, ha- they have to care about it. They mm-hmm. have to love it, I think. It's... You, know, you see so many people driving cars that they don't wash and you look inside and it's just got Macca's papers all over the front and back seats and the floor and it's just a pigsty. And that, that, they don't value that car. Hmm. They're using that car. Yeah, And there's a big difference. Um, you, can, you can tell how someone feels about something by how they treat it. And if they truly value it, they're going to treat it well and with respect and with care and be attentive to it and look after it. Um, and so a lot of people do not love themselves yeah. enough to treat themselves well. Yeah, yeah, that's where the motivation... Like I've seen so many people use motivation in the wrong way and it can still get things done, but it's like, you know, this, this thinking like, oh, I've got this wedding coming up or this <laughs> event coming up and I'll, I'll I've, prove I've got to get down to this. Or they're the high school reunion. I'm going to come and I'm going to look hot as fuck and I'm going to bring this yeah. date and blah, blah, blah. And it's like the, the, the motivation is um, just a bad energy source. It's you're burning... Well, it's short term. You're, you're, you're burning coal and it's bad for the environment and it's bad for you because you're... you're uh, it's, it's like hate you know that you that you're doing it with which has energy yeah. behind it that's why you can achieve the goal but once again yeah. it's not this long-term sustainability because then what happens after this special event that happens then you just go back to your old ways Cl- classic example is ralph winning the gold medal and he went and he went into depression afterwards because yeah. his motivation to get that gold medal was very external it was very productivity based it was very chasing it was, it was I have to I need this mm-hmm. it wasn't um, yeah it, it, it came from a wrong energy source yeah it's like I need to I need to impress other people I need to prove I need to prove that I'm still of value I don't have legs but I need to prove that I can still do things yeah yeah and this is and this is what people do they want to prove to people in their life now that they're you know they're, they're valuable in some way but they also I see it so often that they're still trying to prove to their parents um, that, they're, they're, that this is a, there's a long topic but like you know I've met so many clients who their main motivation is either still trying to gain the acceptance of love of their parents or still trying to tell their parents fuck you look what I can do and these are people that even either their parents are dead or they haven't spoken to their parents in 20 years but their mo- their motivation is still that little child trying to like get back at the I'm parents still or make going you to love, love me yeah 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 you'll be proud of me you will be proud you will be you watch what I can do <laughs> you know and once again this um but if we can come from this place of motivation where like hey I'm drinking a bottle of wine tonight. I'm aware of that and I accept that and it's something that I don't want to keep doing. But we don't but we don't want to then go into more destructive thinking and then beat ourselves up about it. So we need to break that negative loop and that negative cycle by just coming to an understanding that it's not okay but we can do something about it. We have to we have to learn how to not go into that beating ourselves up because then we're not going to love ourselves even more mm. so it's going to make it even hard. the motivation is going to be harder to achieve yep. in a healthy way so yeah okay I'm drinking a bottle of white and iron I've put on a few kilos and this is where this, this acceptance has to be unconditional has to be an unconditional acceptance okay it's not ideal but it is what it is and yeah. now is point A Okay. It doesn't matter how I got, or why I got here. It doesn't matter why I'm a couple of kilos overweight. Well, all that matters is how I'm going to get myself back onto a path that's genuine and authentic for me. This isn't me at the moment. This is this is a a, a manufactured byproduct of something else. So, what's the root cause? I can't I can't change this until I know what the root cause of it is. Yeah, yeah. But I I don't even see like those even with drugs because like you know d- drug addicts are the some of the most stigmatized people in society and i'm like whether you're on or off drugs you're not more or less of a person 
people think they're this less of a person because they use drugs and they'll stop using drugs and now they're going to be a better person. I don't see it that way because all we're doing is creating more guilt and shame. Like yeah, I, I had, your, va- your values are not determined by yeah. if you're taking drugs. Like I, I couldn't give a fuck if someone uses drugs or not. But if they come to me and say, oh, I want to stop using them because I want to have a different experience of life. Okay, let's work that out and we can do that. But like, you know, I had a guy um, last week and he was drinking half a slab of beers a day and for a very long time. And, you know, we spoke and um, he said, yeah, I, I, in the last two weeks, he goes, I hadn't had a drink for two weeks. And then uh, last night, I just felt this real anxious, uneasy feeling. So I just, I just had two beers and, and, and you know, and, and then stopped and I'm like and how do you feel about having those two beers because we've done, we've done work around not beating yourself up on that and he goes mm-hmm. I feel fine like I just I had two beers because I felt anxious and I'm like I'm like bowing I'm like mm. here's the thing I'm, I, I couldn't give a fuck that you had two beers last night but if you were feeling guilty or shameful that you had those two beers after not drinking for two weeks, then I would be saying we've got an issue here because this is where so many just people... just perpetuates the cycle, doesn't it? Yeah, because then I just want to... If I beat myself up, then I, I put myself in these negative emotional states and when I'm in those negative emotional states, what do I want to do? I want to escape. How do I escape? Oh yeah, I do that behavior that I do all the time. I drink mm-hmm. and then I drink, beat myself up more, drink, beat myself up more, drink and then we just keep going and going and Hello, going. Hello, stuck in a rut. It is. It's, just, it's a shame and guilt cycle that, that people find them in so much, themselves in so much. You know, it's not... But it's, it's also really interesting when people say, I want to change but then they don't change, they stay in their cycles. And I imagine you'd encounter this a lot in your line of work. It's, all right, I've got the awareness, I've got the acceptance, yeah, I'm motivated to change, but what's missing? What's the next step? What do they Tools need? and resources. Yeah. Ma- mate, so, mate, before we get into tools and resources, like I deal with drug addicts, I was a drug addict myself. The amount of times, like myself, I said, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm never touching drugs again. How many people have woken up with a hangover and, and gone, I'm never drinking again? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, little... oh, you, oh, you're at a dinner and it's a beautiful meal. I did the other night. We had nachos. I had nachos in ages. My girlfriend made them. They were delicious. And I'm like, no, nah, that's it. I'm done. Push my plate away. 40 seconds later, I found myself <laughs> leaning over. Just, all right, last one. Just the last. <laughs> that happened four times. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard. And you can. And, and the thing is, we mean it. Like in that moment, we're very, it's not like, and this is like drug addicts a cop, a, cop a lot of flack because they're like, yeah. they're so, uh, they're so um, not on, dishonest. You know, because they say they want to stop, but they don't because they go back to it. But they believe it in the moment. Like, I had had deleted dealers' numbers from my phone. I had bloody just, you know, told everyone. I'm like, you know, that's, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And then, you know, a couple of days later, you know, you're back on it again. And then this, this, and then then you beat the crap out of yourself mentally. And then you just want to numb and numb and numb. Yeah. It's the same as you delete a girl's number, but then you'll find an old message or something somehow, and then you'll, <laughs> I'm never messaging her again. All of a sudden, you get drunk and you message, you wake up and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, I'm an idiot. Oh, I can't believe. Oh, no. How do oh, I just want the world to swallow you, the guilt, the shame. And, oh, nah, that's it. I'm an idiot. <laughs> you, can hear, you can hear the destructive thinking and, and and just the cognitive distortions and the emotional disturbances that are in play and it's just compounding and compounding and compounding so right we may mean well in the in the moment but we do need these tools and resources we do need to to create the freedom and 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 you know to to start affecting this change and what kind of tools and resources are we talking about here are they are they, are they they're different for everyone no, not really. Uh, mindfulness, mm-hmm. really. It's just learning to be more mindful. So it's just being, instead of in that autopilot, it's being in in that moment when something is occurring. So you find yourself walking into a bottle shop on autopilot. 
Yeah, it's just you're stuck in that pattern and habit, and all of a sudden, ding, I'm walking into the bottle shop. And in that space between that stimulus, that awareness, and I'm walking into it, you, you get to make a choice. And it's going to take the hard path to turn around and walk back to your car. But it's, every time you do that, you are strengthening your resolve. You are strengthening your discipline. Um, and every time you just go, oh, well, I'm here now. I may as well keep going. You're taking the easy path mm. and you, you're not doing that mental rep. So, you know, essentially what we're trying to do is strengthen our mind. If you go back to the car metaphor you've pulled over you're aware you've accepted it you you're motivated because you want to get back on the road but if you go and open the boot and you've got no jack and you've got no you know no tools to jack the car up and to get the tire off then you're going to stay there Mm. so this is the thing a lot of people set themselves up to fail they have a desire they have a motivation it's important for me to change but they they don't have the crowbar that's going to shift them out of that rut. They, they, mm. they can't get them out of there. So they're just going to continue, unfortunately, in their cycle and in their pattern, beating themselves up again for being an idiot, for not being able to do it. I'm so stupid. And so, yeah, we need to start giving them these tools and resources. And usually it's pretty simple. Usually it's just reflecting gently. All right, so you're here. Next time you catch yourself, there's an opportunity for you to do a mental rep, yeah? Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity in between now and your next session to catch yourself and to laugh at yourself of how irrational you're being and then rewind, pull yourself back to your car and then change and take off. And then there's an opportunity the next day for you to take a different way home from work. Don't drive past the supermarket, drive along the beach or drive mm-hmm. somewhere else. So it's really not only rerouting your way home, it's rerouting your neurological pathways again. Yeah, yeah, I love that, I love that. For me, the way that I, sort of my journey and the way that I teach is doing the, so the tools and resources would be doing the, the underlying sort of trauma or root cause work because it's like if i if i have to have a bottle of wine a night to relax then there's an issue there that like why can't i relax without it yeah well for me that's because people aren't self-managing throughout the day and they're allowing people and events to they're reacting to people and events so they're getting wound up Mm -hmm. throughout the day so therefore they need something to unwind at the end of the day so for me, it's teaching them how to self-manage and not to let their emotions get so heightened throughout the day. Throughout the day, right. So and so for me, this is where we, we differ a little bit. I, I would try and find out where the the belief became that I it's not safe for me to relax or I, I need to be doing all the time or whoever's triggering me at work, why are they triggering me? Why is my boss remind me of my dad who used to yell at me <laughs> you know that kind of stuff right yeah. and, and and then also we've spoken about you know it might have been a couple of episodes about the uh, stream of thoughts and getting out of the mm. river and just and just realizing that we're not our thoughts and realizing that that that, that voice in the head that says hey pull over um, the bottle shops are stuck here go and grab that wine is the exact same voice that after you crack the bottle of wine is going to say hey you piece of shit you're doing this again <laughs> <laughs> well imagine if that voice was your mate sitting in the passenger yeah. seat next to you hey mate just swing past the bottle and grab some wine yeah no worries mate you yeah. get home drink the bottle of wine and you're sitting there you're a fuckhead for getting that wine <laughs> what do you mean you are you told me to get it you told me to get it come <laughs> on this my Jerry Seinfeld high voice yeah. what are you t- talking about uh, no that that, 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 crazy. that happened to me once again not sure if I spoke about this but yeah one, I, I, I'd been watching my thoughts and watching them and watching them and then this one time it was yeah finished work on the way home it was a Saturday or whatever footy game was on and it was like the mind just said let's just grab a four pack of beers and just sit down mate you deserve it you deserve to relax and just watch the footy and I was going through a period where I just wasn't having beers for a bit just because that's what I decided at some point Mm. Um, so I was like no no, I'm not and I got home and um, the voice kept going it it, it kept going at me and then it it gave me like literally a PhD thesis (laughs) on my 
all of the reasons throughout my whole life. It showed me all the good things you've done and why you deserve to and how it's not going to have any negative flow-on effects. And it was it, it was like, there's such a good argument. Like, it should be a lawyer, this voice. <laughs> like, and, then, and then anyway, I finally succumbed to it. And I'm like, all right, it's yeah. 20 minutes till the game starts. Fucking drive down. I'll get some four-pack of this craft beer and sit down. And this exact thing happened. I cracked the beer and opened it. And it goes... You piece of shit, I can't believe you're having a beer. And I just went, I was like, that's it. I can't fucking listen to this thing anymore. This is insane. Like, it's just, you cannot win. There's too many competing parts in there uh, with different advice that it gives you. So, yeah, yeah, you had to do something differently. Yeah, that, that's hilarious. And I think for all experience, I reckon listeners are sitting there nodding going, yep. Yep, yep, been there, got the t-shirt. Yeah. Yep. You've done it, Hass, I've done it, we've all fucking done it. We're all human, that's the thing. And so there's nothing wrong with us when we do it. It's just, you know, in MindFit, we remove judgment completely because we don't want to create shame or guilt or anything. So we do that by saying, is it healthy and is it sustainable? Yep. That's all we bounce everything off. Is it healthy and is it sustainable? If the answer is no and no, then that means, okay, we need to start exploring how to change it, how to do things differently. But, you know, I talk about mental reps and strengthening and conditioning of the mind. Imagine how good it would feel if you caught yourself walking into a bottle shop, had the awareness, really gently took yourself back to the car without shame or guilt or beating yourself up or going into agitation Mm -hmm. and jumped in the car and got home. Imagine how good you'd feel an hour, two hours later. Imagine how good mm. you'd sleep that night because you don't have alcohol in your system, your body's not trying so to process. You get, you get positive how, reinforcement. It's just this ripple effect mm. that has that goes not only through the night but through the next day and, and onwards. Yeah, so, and it's, it's really important what you said there, is, is it healthy and sustainable? Because people get this idea in their head and you know I'm sure you've had it as well. It's like they're coming to see a therapist and it, and it might be for a drinking problem or whatever it is. And so their whole thing is, oh, you never have a drink and you're going to tell me never to have a drink again <laughs> and everything's unhealthy and I have to eat organic vegetables and that's it from now on. And like, it's this whole, you know, kind of thing. It's like, for, for someone listening now, you know, you might have a glass of red wine a night with dinner and it's, and it's not unhealthy and it's not unsustainable and that's okay. And everyone's different because that may... Don't go into the bot. Don't go into mm. the binary thinking where it's right or wrong or good or bad, though. Exactly, just exactly. Keep it neutral. Yeah, because that's why people are like, oh, I just have to now not have any fun in my life and all that kind of jazz. That's not true. Both Nick and I, we love a beer. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just your relationship to what's going on. You know, and if you're if if you're drinking a bottle of wine a night because it calms you down, then we've just got there's a not a good relationship. But, uh, but if, if, I, if I've if I've if I'm whether I've got a gallbladder issue, I can't perform an operation to remove my own gallbladder I have to go and see somebody but I'm not going to go oh geez I'm such an idiot for having a crook gallbladder you can't YouTube it and just sort of do it yourself (laughs) (laughs) I can Google I can Dr. Google it but I'm not going to sit there and beat myself up and call myself a fuckhead for having a a gallbladder issue I'm just going to acknowledge it accept it and I'm going to get motivated because I'm in pain and then I'm going to find somebody with the tools and resources that can help me and I'm going to get out of that pain. But you and I, we're not, we're not therapists. We're just agents of change. Mm-hmm. That's all we are. We're just facilitating change. We're just guides. We're guiding people from point A that's not working for them to point B it's more healthy and sustainable you're still human you're still going to be, have your flaws you're still going to have your good and bad days blah blah but all we're doing is guiding people from here to there because we can't do it ourselves you and I couldn't get back on track without the help of other people exactly so exactly you know. and that's where tools and resources for me come in it's like it's, we need uh, people to be able to self-manage and I think you know where we differ a bit is yours is very uh, cognitive. So, what cognitive decisions am I making? What new neural path works am I? Am I? Am that I comes. Creating? That comes from belief. So, we do a, most of our work is around the belief system. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then for me, my inc- with that as well, including is like how 
can I be comfortable with the sensations in my body? Because there's always going to be a sensation in the body that comes along with that. There's like this this compulsion, this urge that wants us to go and um, do something that we know what is isn't right for us. Or or, or if uh, you know throughout the day the boss you know sends a, a, an email at me and that kind of thing. It's like can can I actually start to manage and deal with the sensations in my body instead of creating a whole story around it? Um, which means then I can let these sensations go, because otherwise we just keep that. This is where people are so you know in trouble. They're just so uncomfortable with being in their own body that we look for these coping mechanisms. But for me, for me, it's um, it's it's all about developing someone's emotional intelligence, their capacity to self-manage and self-regulate through that self-awareness, and to realize how we're impacting on other people. And if we don't have that emotional intelligence in play, we're going to be very immature. We're going to be emotionally immature. So my whole thing is just to help build some emotional mm. maturity, really. And you know, think if I send you an email, you can if you if you press mute and just watch someone, you would see them revert back to a five-year-old and yeah. going to have this adult tantrum. And it's not fair. I can't believe he said that. Rah, rah, rah. He's going to go into all these really irrational distortions, and he's going to go home and crack a bottle of wine. And yeah, it takes ownership. It takes emotional ownership because every emotional reaction we have is ours. This is where people get stuck. So it's like you get the email, and so we automatically go. The boss shouldn't have said this. He made me angry and sad, and he shouldn't have said it. He should have worded it different. He should have said it at a different time. Then we go home and we ruminate and we ruminate. Whereas, you know, someone else could get the exact same email and have no emotional reaction at all. So it's like because they're not attached to a belief that I must be loved and liked. Exactly. They're not going to get triggered. So then, by by owning all of our emotions, then we can start to let go and let go ourselves, and that way we we don't need a therapist. That's why my thing with the emotional stuff is like: imagine if we have a uh, the invisible backpack on, and then every time we don't deal with something emotionally, we chuck a potato in there, and then and then throughout (laughs) and then through potato and then throughout our life because we're not taught how to deal with emotions, we all have a very, yeah. very heavy sack. <laughs> and so, the, and, ah. and that heavy sack manifests as symptoms, depression, yeah. anxiety, uh, alcohol problems, addiction issues, workaholism, effect. you know, just, and so it's like, okay, we, sometimes we need help pulling the big potatoes out, like the real big ones, like what, you know, mommy yeah. or daddy did when I was four and I can't fucking let go of. But then, ideally, all these other smaller potatoes, we want to help to be able to self-manage and so let those go ourselves and not accumulate said, anymore. You just said all these things that mum and dad did that I can't let go of. And in my work, the source of all suffering is attachment. I'm still attached to it. I can't let it go. So that's really the root cause of my work is helping people to let go of that belief that they need to or they have to or they should or the conditioning around that whatever yeah um i've got to head off soon i've got an appointment to get to so the last one so having the tools and resources it gives us the capacity to change and also just just and just just the motivation so just quickly so the motivation needs to come from I love myself, not I hate myself. Vitality based, I want to, not I have to. Yes, yes. And then we've got tools and resources. And now capacity, what does the word capacity mean in this context? Uh, It just means the ability to reach a goal, Mm -hmm. essentially. So I want to stop drinking a bottle of wine every night. Do I have the capacity to do it? And we need to look at the capacity in other people around us as well. Like a lot of us want a hug from our mother or father or sister or brother or partner or something, yeah? When we're down, I want a hug. It's a it's an unconscious, uncommunicated need or desire. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, there's so many people out there who are non-judgmentally, in a very literal sense, emotionally retarded, that they don't have the capacity to hug you in return. So when we're looking at change and looking at things, we really need to evaluate someone's capacity i do this as a practitioner i'm sitting here with a client and i'm evaluating what is your capacity to get from point a to point b what what roadblocks are in the way what limiting beliefs are there what cognitive distortions are you using where are your attachments so people the work i do is at the intersection of freedom and knowledge and so 
they can sit here and learn all this stuff and intellectualize it, but if they're not emotionally free, then they're not going to be able to implement it and they're not going to be able to create that change. Yeah, so, yeah, emotionally free. I, I, I worked with a client literally last night and it's it was so beautiful. Like the first session we go through a heap, but it's one of the main things is like, where are we going here internally? What do we want to be feeling? What do we want to be, you know, letting go of or bring more of into our life? Like we need to set some goalposts. And I, I work with so many people who have very, very high, like man, you like high sensitivity emotionally, you know, and mm-hmm. they need to start to deal with that stuff. And this guy, he, his, one of his goals was, I want to feel emotions more because he's so yeah, shut off. So the, the, the walls are up so much that, um, you know, he's sort of referred to by other people as emotionless. Yeah. But, but he, yeah. he has this, in, this, this inner knowing that there's so much in there that he wants to give and there's a lot of heaviness that needs to come out, but there's also, there's a, lot of, there's also a lot of love that he wants to give, but it, it's, it's just um, these walls that we build to protect oh, ourselves. I want to give him a hug. Yeah, so do we. I'll, I'll be... He'll be up for hugs in a couple of weeks. Just nice. give me give me a couple of weeks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, uh, and that, I'm gonna finish. You got to run. So just that capacity is. Hey, I can make that change. But if you, someone's capacity before these five steps isn't there, because you say, "Oh, you can you, can you stop drinking that bottle of wine at night?" They'll be like, "No, don't want to. Um, piss off." Well, can Can you change the tire? Right, well, I'm aware that I have to change the tire. I've accepted that it needs change. You know, I've got the tools. I've got the motivation. You know, I want to get back on the road. I've got the tools. I've got a jack and a tire iron. Uh, oh, fuck, I don't have arms. Oh, dear. Right, I don't have arms. I can't change that tire. I'm going to need some help or I'm going to need to find a different way around it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Beautiful. Not what I mean. You know what I mean? All right. Awesome, cool. mate. All right, got to run. Um, that episode that episode was the bee's knees. Uh, and we also killed two birds in one stone. We did. <laughs> all right. Love you all lots. Thanks for listening. Um, peace to you, Huss. Peace to you too, my friend. And um, I'll see you in the everlasting light next week. Mm, love it. All right, mate. See ya. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.